Welcome to the 30th episode of Season 2 of LOI Weekly with myself, Johnny Ward and Daniel MacDonald. And we have two guests in studio today and if you hear a slight echo in the room it's because we're on the ground floor of Ayers Building here in Houston South Quarter. Um, our main man Jay is celebrating Dublin's win and um, basically it's Jay's fault. Um, he's gone, he's gone. Just gone AWOL. He's gone AWOL. Our, my mate Frenchie's gone AWOL as well, he's from Kildare. Yeah, well yeah. that's just any old excuse. Yeah. Have you found Paddy yeah. Kavanagh yet either? Is he, is no, we haven't found Paddy Kavanagh. Yeah. So disappointed with Paddy Kavanagh and Cheryl's drawn two all against uh, Atlone won't help matters either I would have thought. No. Um, after being Two nil up. Hmm. That was a mad one. But we've a good, uh, good, good couple of guests in Dan today. We do. Um, and we'll, also, them, we'll also have Dinny Corcoran on uh, the on a bit of audio later on. But very welcome to Gary O'Neill um, and Luke Byrne. Uh, how are you getting on, lads? Very well, thanks. Yeah, good, thanks. Gary O'Neill, of course, was... Uh, how is Gary O'Neill getting on these days, Dan? Old Gary O'Neill, do you know? Old, old Gary O'Neill. Older Gary O'Neill. That <laughs> played for... He did, he did was, the illustrious League of Ireland career. I'm trying to think, was he, was he one of the lads involved with... He wasn't at Moctres, was he? No, I don't think so. Don't no, think so. no, I think he's... There's, there's, a, there's an ex-League of Ireland club. A lot of lads of his generation are all, are all there. Same Moctres. Uh, yeah, well, there's... Colin Hawkins, Hawkins is there. Dean Kelly's there, Yeah, and there's, yeah, there's a few other... Glenn Crow was involved there, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, we just so, have to make do with the Kerry Gary. <laughs> this is the new Gary, and it's like the old Ronaldo and the new Ronaldo. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so let's hope you uh, are a bit is slimmer than the old Ronaldo <laughs> when you get older. How are you, Gary? Very well, thanks. Yeah. All good. Yeah, good. What a season you're having. Yeah, brilliant. Um, not what we didn't really expect it to be this good. Talk all at the start of the, the season. Yeah, we. I think looking at the expectations at the start of the season, I think a lot, of, a lot of websites and 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 stuff like that has tipped us to be around fifth or sixth at this stage of the season. So. To be one point off getting the trophy is way above our expectations, but you know it's been been a really good one. Actually, a very simple question then: Why did they underestimate you, the pundits? I'm not too sure. Um, I think previous years we we maybe haven't done as well as as we should have. You know, I think we were talking before the show that the team we had four years ago, the likes of Robbie Benson, Mick Lee, people like that. You know, we didn't didn't do much that year apart from the Europa League run, and then. To go on the next year, we had the likes of Jason Byrne, Marty Waters, Brian Shortall again fell short. So I think if you looked at on paper, our team is probably the weakest it has been since I've been here in terms of names. So maybe I, th- I think that we were probably written off that way in terms of we didn't have much experience in the first division. But um, it's just come together this season. I think as opposed to previous years, we've more of a, a team bond, um, a better team spirit. And, you know, it's pay dividends for us and not only that you've a whopper of a cup quarter final coming up yeah huge one uh, looking forward to it now it's kind of a a great break away from the pressure of being a, on the verge of winning the league every week it's kind of a it's a strange one to say but it's a it's a break from it and it's a, a week where you can enjoy the training and the build up to a, a cup quarter final and it's one that you can go and really enjoy and if you, if you fall short then no one's really you know no one's really going to be too disappointed as we have to the big game against Harps to, to win the league the following week. Well, I, I've tipped you to win the cup, so I'd be disappointed. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no pressure. Twenty-eight to one. Jinxed. I mean, it's funny you mentioned that. Cause I think we had, it was a Jero or someone we had in a couple of weeks ago, and said that well, the one thing about UCD is you don't have huge fan base, so you don't have maybe that pressure on you from week to week. But you've obviously had to drive yourselves as a group in another way that you must have a certain strength within the group that you maybe don't have the baying mob of fans if, yeah, if you play badly yeah. but it must come from somewhere yeah I agree it's, it's tough sometimes you know when you, when you play maybe the, the no disrespect but the Wexfords and the Coves and the UCD and you might be lucky to get 100, 120 people there you know and it's very hard to, to motivate yourself and to even get a standard or a tempo in the game because there's no one really there's no it's, it almost has a friendly feel about it mm-hmm. um, so like you say it's Probably coming from within, I think Collie and, and especially the assistant manager this year, Ian Ryan, he's been absolutely brilliant in terms of demanding us even on a Monday and a Wednesday in training. The tempo is, you know, really, really brilliant. Uh, and I think a lot of it comes from them. But like I say, we've a real togetherness this year. I think it's been really, really good in terms of a team bonding. And look, we're this close now and you shouldn't really need to be motivated. It should, yeah. it should really don't lead tables should be motivational enough. Is that Ian that played for Shells? Is it? It's right yeah. I always thought yeah. he looked a lot like you, Dan. 
Did you? Genuinely <laughs> did. Like, I don't think that's a bad character, to be fair. Uh, he does look quite like him, doesn't he? You know, back in the day. You'd have, been, you'd have been a more two-footed player with your left well, and right. Yeah, yeah, but slightly limited, John. Limited. <laughs> I wasn't UCD back in the day as well, yeah, but <laughs> particularly limited. We were, I was talking about campus residences with yeah, Gary beforehand, yeah. and... Uh, yeah, he's in Marvel. Long time ago now. He's in Marvel, yeah. You're, of course, you turned 36 on Friday as I well. I did, yeah. Celebrate accordingly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah I did, yeah. <laughs> Meanwhile, at the other end of the There's literally, uh, literally nothing to do with anything we were speaking <laughs> yeah. about this. Ian but Ryan. The, the one thing, because, you know, Luke's obviously at Shamrock Rovers, and one of the things that's a real plus about Rovers at the moment is you have a great training ground, you're all together every day, the, the kids are together every day. Just, Gary, like, how many of you lads at UCD are, you know, on campus, are around sort of, you know, you, you see each other around during the day, do you train together every day? Like, what's the sort of working week like in a football context? Yeah, it's, there's probably about half of the lads, I'd say, in a 22-man squad that are on campus. Mm. So there's around 11 of us, 12 of us that would see each other every day. And we have our, um, obviously, our, our training every every Monday night, and then we're all in the gym on uh, 2 o'clock on a Tuesday, and then training again Wednesday evening so you spend so much time together that you know you develop a, a real friendship it's a version of full time I mean it's, it's a different type of thing you were wolves right when yeah, you were younger yeah. it's not quite the same but you see a lot of the young lads you know around the club it must build something yeah of course um, it's it's probably as full time as you're going to get that, within that that's, that's not, not full time yeah. yeah if you know what I mean it's, it's, a, it's a really good environment it's brilliant the facilities are probably as good as anywhere in the country in terms of your your sports science and your your gyms and stuff like that. So you, you do you do spend a lot of time together. So you know, like I said, mentioned previously, when we had the likes of maybe Jason Byrne and Marty Waters who weren't in the college, it was hard for them to kind of buy into that, and they mm. weren't spending as much time. And maybe click started to form that way. You know, yeah. it's kind of younger lads and older lads were spending more time together. And um, so this year, like I say, more than ever, more than any year I've been here, that we're spending so much time together that you really have a real good bond. I think that's a very, very important point as well. That's, you know, talent is only so much of the battle as well, isn't it? Like, Yeah, I agree. And I think I think anyone on our team would probably admit it that if you looked at the squads in the first division, that our lads on paper probably wouldn't be tipped to, to go win the league, I don't think, personally. I think it's a fact, maybe having watched them myself now, that they're just not appreciated enough, really. They've good players. Like, yeah, oh, yeah, brilliant. Yeah, but like I say, on paper, if you looked at, like, say, the Galway, the... You know, bringing in likes of Ryan Connolly, Danny Furlong, Robbie Williams, these type of players and shells now when you look at it with the, the squad that they have, you know, and in I con- think context even was. Said that, that it was the dressing room actually wasn't there this season. Yeah, in terms I think of the harmony and so on. I think even Connor Davis, who was coming to us now from Reading, when Georgie left, the first thing he said was, you know, the the team spirit is brilliant, you know, the the way the lads get on with each other. So it's been a real big factor for us this year. We're going to have huge. to talk about Connor as well with the, the role yeah. he's had so far. Yeah. Luke, you must be, feel a bit left out there. Not only at Shamrock Rovers this season, the way things have gone, but in this room as well. No, no, I'm enjoying listening. Uh, yeah. Obviously, I listen to you every week and you like talking about UCD. I think you've mm. rated them this season and I'd be good mates with Evan O'Sam who's playing yeah. for them, so I'll always keep in contact with him and watch their results and hoping they win it like and come up they're a good addition to the league your own season and you've obviously it's just been one of those really frustrating years for you and it's gotten a little bit more frustrating of late as well yeah it's just one of those years where I've played it's probably the least I've played um, it's actually my f- I'm injured now but now five weeks it's only my first injury of the season which I usually haven't lasted this long into a year without an injury unfortunately but um, yeah it's just one of those years you get them in your career spells where you haven't played as much as you like but you've got to be professional there's a big squad there for a reason there's a lot of games and I've played here and there and I felt like I've done quite well but you've just got to bide your time and there's no point pointing fingers it's just stay ready and when you get your chance you've got to take it because obviously Trevor Clark got injured in Watford I think you got injured the same night did you? same night I yeah. got a bit of a scare I was on the leg I don't be cruciate um, done tests after it was a little bit kind of touch and go but went to the hospital the next day it was clear to play and then I actually played the next few games so yeah, it looked like your, Trevor's kind of injury might be your kind of I suppose uh, your benefit but then Jeez, he just got discovered a very good left back as well in Kavanagh. Yeah, Kavanagh's a top player. I played with him. Um, he's a year younger than me, but I played on the international team with him when I was younger. And he always played a year out of his age. He's a top player. Like uh, he played left wing at the start of the season a bit, and the last obviously few months he's played left back. And he's a great lad. I get on with him. He's a he's a great player. Like and he's done well. So it's just been a case of like he missed a couple of games. I got in, played well, and then I got injured, and it's swung back now. So. 
that's just the way things go, I think. How would you sum up Rovers' season generally? I mean, it's sort of crazy after the, the highs and lows that you, you have to win at the weekend and now you're sitting in third, third position. It's almost like maybe not where you would have wanted to be. You might want it to be higher, but you've overcome a sticky period, yet it's, it, there's been highs and lows along the way, it's fair to say, I think. Yeah, massively. I think it's been like, yeah, it's like been a season where it's just, you know, people obviously talk about Rovers a lot. We probably get the most media attention and stuff and, you know, we're under scrutiny a lot and it's just been a really inconsistent season. Like it goes, if you read the media, it goes from just highs to absolute crisis point in the space of two games. And obviously it's not like that in the dressing room, but that's the way people perceive it to be. And at the moment we've got, you know, the blip against Bowles and Drada. Obviously they were two terrible results, probably the lowest point of our season. But either side of that, we've had a good run of games and we've got ourselves into third. And now it's just, I don't think we'll be celebrating third, but it's just about nailing it down and consolidating now for you know, keeping it at the end of the season. The, the boy, Dylan Watts, has made an impression, and it's funny because we were speaking to Gary when you were in the European run, but you said he played Doodleland, you've now qualified for the Europa League group stages, although I think uh, they've, they've pumped in a bit of money since then by the looks of the clubs in, in Luxembourg, but uh, the midfield three at the time was Dylan, yourself and Benson, Robbie Benson. Yeah, yeah. Wasn't a bad three. No, it was brilliant. Um, I think Dylan was only, I think he might have been 17 or 18 at the time. Even you, maybe I think he was 17. He was brilliant. Uh, it was my first, my first year at UCD as well. And I remember Dylan came up, and he was—he's only a slight enough lad now, but he was even smaller at the time. And it was so evident of his quality at the time. And he, when he came in, he was—he was brilliant. And that midfield three, we we done well. We done well in Europe. Um, you were obviously suited to it. You can play. Yeah, you know? yeah. It was like I say. It was it was probably suited to Europe. It was the three of us are three lads that like to get on the ball and play football and. I think even UCD as a whole, we were. I was telling Johnny that we were, when it was announced that UCD being Europe for the first division, I think that we were, we got slated from from every angle, saying that we were going to embarrass the league and it was going to be an embarrassment to the country and everything. But the way we play and the way Collie's philosophy is, it was nearly suited to Europe. Because mm. uh, you're obviously coming, in theory, coming towards the end of your time in UCD in terms of your degree yeah. and. I mean, you see how the other lads that you played with have pushed on, and you're at this crossroads now. And you've been mentioned in the summer as a target for, you know, some of the the better clubs, the full time clubs. Where where do you see your decision making process? At um, now? You know, it's probably a cliche, but it's probably you know, we're not there yet, and mm. so I'm kind of just focusing on the Harps game as such, and worry about my future after that. I'm, like I say, I've been here for been at UCD for four years, and I played in the first first division for four years, so. I think if we went up, it would be a real shame to to not give the, mm. the Premier Division a go with UCD and you know play every week and and try and make a name for myself that way. But there is obviously the way UCD works is going to be interesting. A lot of our players, you know, it's just the, the way it is. We the club tends to produce very good young players, so um, I think everyone will be open to listen to offers. But at the same time, you know, not playing for UCD in the Premier Division next season would be, I think, a, a real shame to be honest. Mm. I mean, is there a rush in a sense, you know? Because obviously, I'm guessing you see your future in the sort of three, five, seven-year future in football, right? Yeah, of course. Is that where you see yourself yeah, as a full-time player? Yeah, of course. I'd, look, I'm not denying that I really want to go back into full-time football sooner rather than later if I can because obviously I've, I've done my education in UCD now, so the next step for me is to maybe put that to one side and, and go play football again at a, at a professional level. But... In terms of a rush, definitely not. Um, with UCD, the way we're looking at, obviously going up then another year playing every week under a mat. I think the thing with UCD is I think that I really enjoy it. You know, I, mm. I, I think it, at 23 years old, what I want to do is enjoy my football. You know, I don't want to go somewhere where it might be struggling to, you know, maybe not being in the team. Obviously, you're going to have to do that, but not being in the team and not enjoying it, you know, maybe falling out of love with it again, whereas here I, I love it, you know, Collie has a philosophy that really suits me and I enjoy playing every week, I get a freedom to go and play, so uh, in terms of rush, there's definitely no rush. You say fall out of love with it again, was that something you had when you came home from England? Yeah, first? definitely, definitely, yeah. yeah, definitely, I was at Wolves for, for three years and I had a four-year contract and obviously got released with a year to go, so that was the first kind of, the, the first kick, kick that I got and then I went to Port Vale in League One Thought I was doing really well. Came on the first division, the the first team tour of Ireland. Again, done really well. Mickey Adams was the manager. And at the end of that season, I was with the reserves, in and out of the first team. Was on the bench in League One four or five times. And 
went into my meeting quite confident that I'd get offered another mm. year at least and he just told me that what was coming up behind me was as good and what was ahead of me was better. So Mickey Adams as well, yeah, was Mickey it? Adams, he was the manager. So how how devastating is that as well when you're you're young and your career trajectory seems to be kind of now yeah, taken. Yeah, it's tough. It's tough, especially the lower leagues because they're to be honest, they're not really enjoyable. You know, I used to kind of go to the, the league one matches and there you know, wasn't really great football. So it wasn't. It was really tough going lower and lower and obviously getting the first kick in the teeth from Wolves when I had another year left of my contract, saying that you know they're gonna they don't see my future there. So I left there and then thought I was doing really well at at Port Vale. Thought I was making great strides and. To be told I was going to be released again, and then I went down to Hereford in the conference. Kind of thought at the at the time I was kind of being represented over in England by a man that I won't name names or anything, but the rep- representation was all wrong. The advice I was getting was wrong. I was told to go down to the conference and make a name for myself down there, but I went to Hereford, who were in serious financial difficulty at the time, and was there for five months. Got paid twice, and maybe half of what I was supposed to get paid until the club got liquidated then in December so again that was the, the third and final show so yeah, is, yeah, is so there a link between when you say it wasn't enjoyable to watch and you not progressing because maybe yeah maybe um, I think when you're when you're not playing it's kind of hard to enjoy it no but also just maybe the style of football that you weren't playing because maybe the style of football wasn't yeah, your type of football I'd, anyway yeah I think so I think if there's maybe a minority of clubs in League 1 that like to get the ball down and pass it and is there yeah. a bit of Patrick McElhinney about that, Dan? Where well, I don't know. I mean, you can talk about it. I mean, Luke, obviously, your are pals with Graham Burke, who maybe, you know, you can argue wasn't suited to some of the rough and tumble of Notts County and <clears throat> League Two, was it, at the time, I think. It probably didn't allow him to show <laughs> what he could do. Yeah, like, um, I've spoken to him about it a lot, just because I haven't been over there. I just, I looked at him when he came back and I played with him before he went. I just couldn't understand how he's not playing at that level. It just didn't make sense to me. So I'd ask him, and, like, he's not a... Arrogant guy at all, he's you know, he's really modest. You have to you struggle to, to get him to say anything good about himself. Like but he said like he felt he'd be the best player in training Monday to Friday and then Saturday he's struggling to make the bench or he you know, mm. he might get ten minutes here, ten minutes there out of position. And it's just you think speaking to the lads, even like Cavo has come back a few others, I think it's a style of football, it just doesn't suit some lads. I think there's an emphasis on physicality the lower you go. And maybe Graham just needed a platform like this league and a a team that you know played to his strengths to show how good he really was. He just didn't really have the op- the chance to express himself in mm. in that level, really. And yeah, it's interesting. I, I mean, I think a lot of that league, especially League One, is that a lot of the managers go with the tried and trusted, yeah. As opposed to maybe the more skillful players like like Luke was saying about Graham. I mean, at Port Vale, we were doing quite well League One, and we had a couple of young lads in around the team. But all of a sudden in January, then he's bought in two or three 32, 33 year olds who have been at that level for a long time who know the league and who know how to get results maybe as opposed to taking a chance on younger lads yeah like a lot there's a lot of job and pros knocking around there yeah, isn't there, there is, with yeah. their short term deal yeah. here and there I think there's a lot of league one and league two especially is either lads who are very good coming on loan from premier league teams or maybe old pros who are on the way out I don't yeah. there's, there's many in between I don't think there's only many 24 25 year olds who are you know making a name for themselves in that league yeah yeah, it's true. There's not, there's not a huge, like, I think there's points I've spoken to the lads. I think it was Conor Clifford speaking to about it, that you don't see that much traffic in terms of players going League 2 to Championship no, clubs, say. Not, not, no. not, I mean, there's, there's exceptions, but you wouldn't see too many no, of them. No, like, definitely you know? not. Yeah, I think it's, like I say, Mickey Adams was very much the tried and trusted lads that he knew would... Yeah. Do a job for me and, and that you, league. So, I'm trying to think. So, you, you grew up in Tralee, right? You yeah. Kerry. Yeah. Is there many sort of lads? I'm trying to think of examples of Kerry lads who went into uh, pro football, I guess. Um, to Not te- many, no. Yeah, inform me of them. I'm trying to think here. I don't think there's. Was it Dermot O'Carroll, was it? or Dermot went over. Brendan Maloney yeah. went over. He from Killarney. Um, apart from that, you know, the top man, I can't really think of any. I know Billy and Darren Denny obviously went yeah. over. Didn't Obviously, kind of the same thing that happened to me was they came, came home early enough. Um, Brendan Maloney's probably the only one that's really gone on to. I think he played in the championship a couple of times for Nottingham Forest. Stayed in the game, yeah. Yeah. I so when you're at, un- at underage level, where were you picked up from? Where were you? Um, Kendy Cup was the one really that. Yeah. You know, got there. Were you Dynamos back in the no, day? No, Kingdom Boys. Kingdom Boys. Yeah, they're actually done now. It's the club fold. It's kind of the Dynamos have taken over the club now, so it would have been Dynamos now. Because right. it was half talk they might join the League of Ireland. I remember yeah, years ago. Yeah, they were in the A championship for mm. for a year, um, but it was the Kendy Cup really. Yeah. That, um, 
got the attention. It was, you know, I don't need to be any scouts coming to watch the Kerry District League because how could you judge a player playing against, you know, some of the players down there? It was just it was difficult. reflection. And, you, and you, you said you wouldn't be a big GA fan at all. No, no, I never picked up a GA ball before. Never. Really? No, never. Which is a scene no, that breaks all the stereotypes it about, does, like, Kerry does. life. Did you yeah. play a bit, Luke, did you? No. 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 <laughs> See, I can understand that a bit more. You're, you're vaguely poshed up, aren't you? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I've got an excuse. Yeah. I can understand you're that a bit more. You're in the music business, like, you know. I can understand yeah, it, but in Kerry, like, we, where you've been pressurised to do it, especially when you show talent, like, in, in football, was yeah, there people um, trying to get you to go? School-wise, maybe. Never club-wise at all, really. Um, my dad is actually the, the founder of Kingdom Boys at the time, so my dad was always a, a soccer background. And um, What's so Tralee like in that regard, actually? How so is it split in terms of sports? Oh, it's... GA dominant. Tralee. Yeah, yeah, mm. Tralee's the same as everywhere mm. else, I think. GA is the... What it is, it's... The like rugby in New Zealand. Yeah, yeah exactly. It's, there's no comparison at all. Soccer's on it. Even at national school then, like, did you not? No, you not, no, never. I think, gee, or the school was probably the only time that I was asked. You know, even my friends who were all GA never really, I think they kind of knew that my route was going to be soccer. You know, I never really had any, any interest in GA. never picked up a ball. And yeah. I played once for the school in goal and that was it. You know, and was your dad a huge influence in? And yeah, him? huge. Um, he he was, obviously just loves the game. Yeah, loves it. He was coach. He's coaching all his life. He's, he found the Kingdom Boys and since then I've been... Just going up the train with him since I can, since I can remember. That's all I've known. Mm. So, like for talented lads, you mentioned like the standard, say in the Kerry and District League and stuff. Is it hard then for guys who show talent there to really push on if they if they are if they have the ability? Yeah. Because there's obviously great athletes being produced in in Kerry. Of course, yeah, yeah. I think it's it's so hard. I think even the 15s and 17s obviously helps now for, for lads. Say, yeah. yeah, it's a platform for for lads. Maybe if they want to go there was nothing like that for me so you know I was very fortunate enough the fact that I got an offer from Mullers otherwise who knows what would have happened but even it's actually an interesting one that my dad was the manager of the Kennedy Cup the year David Clifford who's now one of the top footballers in the country he was on my dad's Kennedy Cup team Yeah. and I think if he really wanted to I think he would have gone to England he really? was an unbelievable soccer player like, just physique yeah well. he's like an absolute Animal. What was he like as a football, as a soccer player? Then, as you say, like? um, he's actually different than what he was. GA, GA is very stylish. He's you know very. He's a, a scorer. A soccer. He's a centre half. He's you know big, strong, physical. Heads it and kicks it. Um, could have done really good things, I think. Um, but again, his route was dominant by. And that would have been people around him. I'm guessing. Would, as yeah, well. the area he's from is it's a very GA dominated area. He? Yeah, Fossa. Yeah. Mm. So he's a very GA dominated area, but it's a. It's one of them ones where it's, Kerry's going to be very hard to get the pull towards soccer. You mm. can't really see it happening anytime soon, anyway. It's a challenge. Luke, did I see you were at Croke Park the other day? I was there, yeah. So hang on, you've never, you've never played <laughs> no. GA in your life and you got a ticket. I know, I've got a lot of stick about it. It was depriving so much. But there's probably just <laughs> Parnell Park regulars sitting yeah. at home, couldn't get couldn't to the get game. A ticket. And Luke is know, on Instagram <laughs> at the game. Serious feeling the guilt walking up to the stadium. I felt like when I was sitting there that, like, I seen like I, I haven't even spoken to him about it since I seen the coaches running on the pitch during the match. I've never seen that before. They're called Bonnie Shores, actually. Yeah, so I'm <laughs> saying that out loud, and then I'm like, people around me are going to say, "Who is this fellow wasting this tickets?" Yeah, yeah. But I know Paul Mannion really well and Philly McMahon, so that's kind of that's how I told myself, "No, you deserve these tickets." <laughs> Mannion, Mannion was a really good footballer as well. Yeah, he played him going up at home farm. He I was, was a home farm. Berkey's team at Belvin, then he came to us. Yeah, played with us for four years, and then our last year schoolboy, he kind of. He didn't really train a lot. He was playing guy, and then he obviously chose the guy. You're still involved with the Rovers under-15 team, right? Yeah, yeah, And yeah. you're probably, you're talking about, I'm not sure, have you encountered the Kerry team or have you played against them? It's obviously a regionalised element yeah, to a point. No, the 17th beat them on the weekend, but we didn't get them in our group. But do you notice, I mean, one of the talking points about the, because you would be aware of the underage scene now, is that there's some very one-sided games and some of the regional teams are, are struggling. Have, is that something you found from sort of watching the games, that it's imbalanced? Yeah, like in our group, we ended up winning all but one and had one draw and there was a couple of 10 nils and stuff in there. Mm. And I've seen people online and stuff saying, you know, like this didn't happen in DDSL football. Um, you know, it's too one-sided how the kids develop. But I think like longer term, like these kids are getting better coaching. The gap will close. Um, I don't also dealing with rovers at that level is is pretty elite, like yeah, yeah, yeah. like we'd I mean? be, you know, we've hoping none of the kids are listening, but we would be the best team in the country, like um, yeah, um, beat Galway quite recently. Was it was nine, uh, nine nil against UCD or something. Was that? I think is we're playing them two or three weeks ago. 
Jeez, I should know that. We'd probably add it. No, <laughs> maybe, maybe the 17s were playing them as well, I think, were they? Could have been the 17s, 17s playing all the recent. But you, you would be... But 9-0, was we should, like, we should be, yeah. I mean, we went over and... You now it's friendlies at that age, but we went over and beat Chelsea, who the week before beat Spurs 6 or 7-0. So, and we've got a couple of you know, internationals and stuff. But just going back to, like, sometimes the disparity between the teams, I think, like, yeah, playing DSL, there's now 4, 5, 6 nails that often, but... It's a totally different style of football. Like it's a competitive, physical league. It's all about winning. And I just think long term, the development of players. It's you know you're in better hands playing the national league. Hmm. Gavin Bazuna, of course, came through that as well. Like yeah, like he was last year. I started with 15, so they were the today was in two borns, which is his year. But just the way he was progressing, he played under 19 football straight away. So we didn't really have him at all. We hmm. had him this year for a game over in Chelsea, but. Look where it's led to for him, like it, that is a massive boost for the club. The Buzino story, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it must. If you're selling selling the club to 14, 15 year olds now who have the old traditional routes available to them, this is obviously something you can use. I'm guessing to your advantage. Hundred percent. Like I haven't been involved in conversations in trying to attract kids, but you can only imagine that's you know that's going to be the first talking point. Look what happened with Gavin Buzino. You look at the training ground, Ashfield College. The willingness of the manager to promote youth team players like as soon as they're ready regardless of age um, look i played for over five years and i really like the club i'm coaching now as well but i would never tell a kid to go to rove just because i'm there just to get him for the 15s but i just can't see obviously ucd maybe when you get towards college is a really good option but i just can't see where else you'd want to be at that age it's just the contact hours the quality of the coaching the facilities they so mean on, so on. around like I ju- it, it's just you know, it's got to be the place to be for kids at that age who are ambitious. How have you found working with Duff? Yeah, unbelievable. Like, um, What's his style? What's his management style, coaching style? Uh, very intense. Um, sets really high standards. Um, constantly touching the football. You know, really high tempo, very short breaks. There's no running laps. There's no set pieces. It's just get comfortable with the football, different situations, coping under pressure every single day. Um, coming up as a professional and just you know don't waste a day you hear him say that a lot don't waste a day don't waste a rep and I suppose that's obviously that was instilled in him as a kid and he references managers regularly to the kids Jose Mourinho Alan Irvine and stuff people he's worked under so you can imagine he's plucked little bits from all of them and he's now you know he's forming his own kind of style but He's done unbelievable work with the kids. Mm. It's interesting looking, there was an Ireland under-19 squad release yesterday, and there's a big debate at the moment about the, you know, the health of Irish football, and I like, you know, ask your lads about what you feel about like, the national team. We're not going too, too far into it, because uh, I'm sick of talking about it. But um, you know, it was interesting to look at the profile of the under-19 squad, that you had a good mix of uh, the likes of Troy Parrott and Glenn McCauley and guys who were doing well at like, good clubs in mm. England. And then you have Aaron Bulger. You've got Brandon Kavanagh. I think you had the goalkeeper of Pats, isn't it, Brian Mar- you had a Andy Lyons, I think. Andy Lyons in it as yeah. well. Like you had a good mix of young lads playing here with first team and good level academy clubs in England. So do you feel like in years to come that we will have underage squads and you will see Rovers' names in it, that they will be a feature? Whereas there was a time we're having one League of Ireland lad and it was yeah. almost a story. Yeah, 100%. Um, I suppose when you look at probably 19s level, it's kind of getting to that age where, like you know, the kids in England who are doing really well, they're still playing 23s football. So while like you know they're getting great coach and playing against elite players from all around, the, you know, Gary would have been there, the Premier League clubs kids from all around the place. They haven't been exposed to playing in front of 5,000 people, needing to be Bohemians or Dundalk mm. like Aaron and Brandon have. And I think like just thinking back to when I was a kid, like even one one big game for say Bowes when I was 18 or 19 in front of a big crowd with a lot of pressure it just that experience in itself it can only be 90 minutes but it's massive like it's like you know you three four months of under 19s games aren't going to give you that mm. and Aaron and Brandon have been exposed to that now for a while and training obviously with the likes of Joey O'Brien Ron and Finn every day so they've um, they've obviously gone two different routes as opposed to the likes of Glenn McCauley and stuff but I think I think in years to come there's going to be a, quite a high number of kids playing you know on the verge of first teams here in those international squads. Gary, you're trying to think, like, what was the first, can you, is there a game that stands out as your first proper man's game that you played or an occasion that you played? Because I'm guessing at Wolves you were playing a lot of the academy football that sort of Luke referred to there. Yeah, yeah. and just to touch on what Luke said, I think it's a, it's a great point because I think, I think when, you're, when you're playing for a, a livelihood, 
especially at this level, obviously, you know, Stephen Bradley's been, you know, in the limelight a few for, for results and stuff that it's you know, you're playing for a manager's future as opposed to twenty three's football, it's it's very much shadow boxing at times. It's, yeah. you know, you play, we play, you know, it's it's I I think it's a great point and I found it massively since I've come back that when you're playing the games over there the pressure's off. It's you know, it's just a, a game for development as opposed to here you're you know, it's a, a real you're playing for three points and you're playing for, for livelihoods. Um, and then to, to answer your question, the, the first game that I found really was with Port Vale, and we played uh, Stafford Rangers in a pre-season friendly, and it was one of them games that towards the end of pre-season that was a confidence game to, you know, to see the net bulge a few times to get things going before the first league game, and a ball dropped to me in midfield. I think there's ten minutes to go, and I was around the first team at the time doing really well, and I've just hooked one around the corner, and some 35, 36-year-old man has just come straight through me, and I ended up actually doing my a tear in my PCL, my oh, cruciate. Nice. Yeah, so it's probably my first exposure to a real man's game and, and ended up with me not protecting myself properly maybe and um, led me out for, for three months for, a, right. for my cruciate. That is, that is learning the hard way. Yeah, yeah. exactly, yeah. yeah. When, when you came back as well, like, you could have gone the other way. You could have, you were so fed up with football, you could have been lost again. Yeah, um, I was actually exploring options in around UCC and Shrilly IT even of just doing courses and maybe taking a break and, you know, staying away from football for a while. But um, Pat Devlin was the director of football at UCD at the time and he, he just gave me a ring and said, look, come up and for maybe two or three weeks and train with the lads and see if you enjoy it. Have a look around the place. And I did and obviously haven't looked back since. It's been a great move for me. Yeah, and I suppose just, just getting back to what you were saying earlier, it, it would be a bit of a range to kind of, because that team is so progressive that you're in, that like it's it's kind of untapped potential really going into the Premier Division, and to kind of think, if we were talking earlier about the Galway lads that have left maybe to go to Dundalk, Ronan Murray and Folan, and they probably didn't really want to leave, but kind of the way things happened, and they'd look back with regret that it all ended in Galway, and you must be kind of thinking like, there's a lot we can achieve here if I do stay on for a little bit longer. Yeah, I think um, from speaking to lads that have left UCD to go and do really good things and. I obviously spoke to lads that have left UCD to maybe regret the decision. I think the grass always isn't greener. So I think, um, like you say, staying at UCD and and playing in the in the Premier Division is such a, a carrot to be dangled in. It's something that I probably really look forward to doing. And if they did come up next season as well, there wouldn't be a team that like you'd be treating lightly, I would have thought. No, like a lot of these lads, like Gary saying, if they don't move on now, they probably will end up. And that just shows you the calibre of player they have. And they always play a nice style of football. Um, I always enjoy going to play UCD, but you never get an easy game there. Mm. We should talk about the week just gone because it was a pretty dramatic week, to say the least. Um, yeah. Well, we, we touched on them. The last time we were together was last Wednesday. It was the, after the Dock Rovers, and we were talking about the, the league being back open again and the title race is back on again. And then I think around 65 minutes into the games on Friday, it was Cork one up against Sligo and Dundalk struggling against Limerick. And then look what happened. I was in, in Chicor and uh, for a dramatic enough game in itself and everyone was looking at the... I was actually sitting beside Sean O'Connor, Saki, that used to play and he, we, we all couldn't get over the scores. Like, and, uh, I, it's so out of character for Cork to, to, to turn a 1-0 lead into a, a 2-1 defeat. I mean, I don't know, Luke, what you make of, of that when you sort of heard it coming through. Yeah, like I've, I was obviously in the stand in Bray just checking flash score like you do, just constantly checking for the updates and um, look, we're not in the tight race and it's a bit disappointing just to look at it from afar and be so far away from it but I think just for the interest of the league it would have probably been good had it kept going another couple of weeks but I can't see Dundalk letting Cork back in now it just seems like uh, Cork really wasted an opportunity last week it does feel like it was a defining night in some ways you know and, and the I, thing is I, I don't think either side has played that well over the last no sort of three weeks or so the, the coming dark, out of the wobbled to a victory really in Limerick in some respects. yeah they didn't play well by all accounts yeah. and, but I'm just looking at Cork Dan, and you know I think I did say this last week I, I thought Sligo would give them a good game but then when Dundalk dropped points since Rovers well, Cork will get the job done now they could have gone 2-0 up definitely. it looks like they actually played well for the first for half least. of the game yeah but then you're looking and yeah I don't know it, it doesn't seem like the, the goals they gave away were so uncork. Like the, the second goal, I think, as far as I know, Caulfield took Conor McCormack off and they kind of lost their defensive shape in midfield, albeit the, a game they kind of needed to win. And the, the second goal, Cortaro got, McNulty won't be happy with the first goal, but the second goal Cortaro got was 
They were they were very open. It was like the Red Sea. But it was it was almost a sense that they they realised that the margin for error is so limited. I mean, they've still got a ridiculous amount of points in some ways that they just couldn't afford to. A draw was no good to them. Recent recent performance we say against Rosenberg, Pats, and uh, Sligo at home. Mm. I don't but know. If teams I, aren't I, afraid I think of this going is for the first there, time. Yeah, that's that, the other. That's but I think it's for the first time now. The manager will will feel, and there were there were audible boos at the end of the game as well. I think there will be some pressure now on John Caulfield, where he's like, "What's he there four years now? Mm. Is this the first time where I'm I'm under pressure for myself? But I'm also under pressure, kind of looking at it. Um, you know, if we don't win the cup this season, and if we fall away a bit in the league, yeah. It's a ch- it's struggle. And the thing is, they play bowls. They, they, they play a league game before Dundalk, before they play Dundalk, because Dundalk have a week off due to the League Cup, the A Sports Cup final. So if Cork win in bowls next week, so they're three points behind when they play Dundalk and Turner's Cross, albeit with Dundalk having yeah. a game in hand, but that's it. Like, they have to win that game. They don't win that game. It's, what have you met at the title race, Gary? Uh, interesting. Um, yeah. I think. Do you get to games? Yeah, every time we can. It's, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's tough. I think every time we play on a Saturday, we, we try to get to a game as much as we can. It always ends up being in Tala. You know, we were at the, I think there was five or six of us went to the, the Rovers and Bowls game recently enough. Um, but it's, it's interesting just touching what the lads did. I think it was a huge missed opportunity for Cork on, on Friday night. I think they had chances to put the game to bed as well, by all accounts. I think that when they were one up, they had a couple of chances. And I think it's very young Cork, like in Turner's Cross, to one, not take the chances, and two, to, to concede two goals without reply. If Cork and Rovers both came looking for you, who would you prefer? <laughs> <laughs> oh, Johnny. <laughs> <laughs> They're two, two brilliant clubs. Um, well, uh, I, like, I like Dublin. Country. You like Dublin? I like Dublin. Yeah, I, I, I think that's a fair enough point as well. But in the Carlisle grounds, you, you got a fairly comfortable 3 0 win. Yeah. Uh, Brian they had looked the like first, they played okay, actually. Yeah, they had the first chance of the game. And like the way they're playing, they kind of remind me of UCD a couple of years ago. There's young players playing there with a bit of freedom and no fear, you know, playing out from the back and stuff. And they've still got people like Connor Kenna who played very well in the day. But I just thought we had a lot of territory and a lot of the ball for. You know, even since the first five ten minutes, and thankfully it was a comfortable enough victory. Dan, apparently there were nineteen hundred at this game, which is a great. Yeah, I assume it was a p- probably pretty yeah. good away support, but still, so. it's uh, it is it's encouraging, and um, yeah, like uh, speaking to someone involved with Bray today, sort of echoes the view that they seem to be doing things right, and there's a new. Uh, well, we've had we've had another Driscoll on the show, and I think he seems to be doing well in business, and and seems to be trying to bring some of the right principles there. But I suppose the only way you look at it, the flip side is, I mean, Limerick did play well against Dundalk. I mean, could Bray have? I mean, you know, if they had sort of four more points or five more points under their belt at this stage, they'd sort of be within striking distance going into that run in. I think they kind of want to get really. They've lost. They've lost five in a row. Like you know, they've lost five. No, I know what you're. I know what you're saying. Like they've lost five in a row and they're nine points behind. You sort of think if they just nicked a win somewhere, um, then they 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 could have had a go at it because the Limerick side now is a very is a very young side as well because they've been asset stripped effectively with 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 the messing in the summer. And I suppose on that game, um, Stephen Kenny was highly praiseworthy of the young players. He's going to sign a couple of them, obviously. Yeah, I was just thinking that. Was like, who's his eye on there? Like the 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 two wide players, don't they? They've uh, Fitzgerald and Carlos. Is Carlos Sullivan from Kerry as well? Is he? I don't think so. No, he's not. Might be. I'm not too sure. Maybe he's not. Maybe he's not. But um, wouldn't be a million that Gary'd be on his radar for next season. He's a leaving cert student, I think. You know, so they have they have young players. Yeah. involved with that group um, but the, 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 I want to talk about just a bit about the Derry game as well because obviously the Bows who do uh, Bows finally ended a terrible run against Derry points behind Derry now Bose, I couldn't yeah. get over this actually looking after the game Derry have 39 points from 30 games that's basically just better than a side struggling to stay up their the season has just this become is absolutely terrible form like. yeah. and again the first goal Dinny got like, how can you defend like that first or second minute of the game um, I, I just think there's, there's such a shambles in the league this season, Derry, for all the talent they have. Well, they've conceded um, uh, 56 goals. A lot of them in the last sort of 20-odd games of that. 56 goals. So actually only Limerick and Bray have conceded more. You know, So, I mean, you, you definitely get thrills and spills when you go and watch Derry. But They're the out se- the European race now. The whole in, season. In effect, yeah, like. no, like, so effectively, yeah, unless they win the cup, they're facing a budget cut, you know, or a sort of an, a revenue cut of that couple of hundred grand that they've had the last couple of seasons. And they're already pretty reliable 
reliant on Philip O'Doherty's money as it is. So, um, yeah, they're like facing into. I mean, they had the, the move to the ground, and you wanted that to be a bit of a lift, but they're sort of facing into a bit of an uncertain period. And they've had a lot of chopping and changing with their squad, and they tend to lose their better players every winter. You can't imagine McAniff and, and Co are going to be hanging around for a, a season not playing in Europe. <clears throat> where you know they're, they're possibly facing a reduced budget, so no, not great. I mean, a lot of pressure on that cup game. I mean, propose I always want a cup run because they want that lift, but maybe they don't have the same pressure around it that Derry might in terms of bringing the rest of the season, bringing something out of the rest of their season. So, mm, yeah, there's a, a significant win for Bowes. Nice gesture towards Oren Tully as well, as we mentioned last week too, but they definitely, uh, they were very conscious of it and they produced a little Ginger Mourinho banner, I think, all yeah, the players yeah. on the pitch at the end of the game and stuff. Which it was, was, uh, I was in Inchcore nice. where there was a very well-observed um, minutes applause in the 90th minute, at which point Watford were very much grown into the game, but then second half they... They really actually fell apart defensively. Um, what was interesting here was Pats played 3-5-2, but Watford had no wingers, so the 3-5-2 kind of could work because basically um, Madden and Birmingham had a lot of freedom because Watford played such a narrow four in midfield. It was very interesting to watch because both play, teams played two up Markey top. was influential by looks of it. Yeah, and I have to say um, Akeel Campion as well. I thought... Um, I think Paul Curry on Soccer Republic gave him a favourable mention. He just held up the ball really, really well. And himself and Jay Keegan, they're not quick, but they've real great attitude. And uh, they gave them a lot to, to think about. And in fairness to Mick Lee and Ian Birmingham for the two goals, carbon copy nearly left-footed uh, strikes. But just looking at Pats now, they're, they're seven off Watford. They probably won't quite give up on a jet. No. Well, I mean, that's it. They need, they need to overhaul Watford or Rovers. I mean, they're nine-point Watford and hope, obviously... Well, that Dundalk and Cork win the cup, which is probably solid enough logic to a point. The UCD will have their own ideas, UCD, obviously. UCD have a chance, so like I have to say, um, I know Water's not a great draw, but definitely watching you, you're you're not a million miles at all off a off a team that could be okay in mid table in my view in the Premier Division. Yeah, I think and I think we're getting Waterford at the right time now as well. I think they just looking at their current form here, they've lost four of the last five, and um, it's a, a draw that we'll we. We're happy with, and uh, we we understand it's going to be very, very. It's going to be a monumental effort if, we, if we're going to get through. I think they play such a, a brand of football that they're they're so physical, they're so powerful, and it's nothing that we've really faced this season. Um, that was that's the thing because you, you, your your midfield bat's going to be very interesting there. With so yeah, they they're overloaded in the centre kind of. They are, yeah, they play. I kind of I'd be very very good friends with Niall Corbett and just talking to him, you know, and mm. keeping up to date with with Warford every week. And you know, you can see they play a very narrow four. It's kind of a diamond in midfield, and a lot of our strengths will be playing through the thirds as well so it's uh, it's going to be a, a good battle in midfield and one we're looking forward to you I mean you've had a big game on Friday if you'd slipped up and draw that then you're potentially opening the door for the rest of the pack despite what Ollie Horgan said so, Ollie Horgan <laughs> will, will insist the door there's no chance of it opening but there wasn't even a door there you, you won 3-0 that's a, that's a statement performance I guess yeah um, it was huge and you know I think it, 3-0 probably wasn't a fair reflection on the game to be honest I think before Sean Brennan got sent off, I think Drottler were probably the better side. Um, Trainil was flattered us big time, um, but the not as professional. It was one that we had to go and take care of, and and you know we done it in a good manner. Patrick Hero was well on the night. Yeah, Conor Davis come in since since Georgie's gone, and it was one that we were worried about filling the the goal void because um, Georgie obviously had 14 at the break. He was you know in unbelievable form, and he had the, probably the pick of the country to be honest with you. And, when he left, um, Connor Davis came in in a great time, and, and even Yo Yo Maddy deserves a great mention. Oh, he's got eight league goals as well when he came in. So, you know, the two lads that have come in for Georgie have been brilliant. Before uh, we let Lukey go, because he has to um, kind of, I suppose, follow on the latest of his injury, um, who else in UCD should we be looking out for potentially next season or at least against Watford in the Cup? Um, just take your pick, really. I think one of Lukey's good friends, Evan Osam, for me, he's. Honestly, he could be one of the best in the country, I think. I think he's unbelievable. I think there's another lad playing in the half. Liam Scales, for me, could go on to be anything he wants. Um, and then, like I've said, Neil Farouge as well. He's he's only, it's his first year playing. I think he can actually still play 19s this year. And I've never seen an athlete like him. He's a wide player. He's six foot two, six foot three. He's absolutely unbelievable. I think he's... Is it Sloggett in midfield as well? Greg's there, yeah. Greg's player, good. Yeah. yeah, Greg's had a... The kind of topsy turvy year with he had a couple of injuries and I think he had to take a break then during the year around the exam season because he was 
his workload with the exams was kind of getting on top of him. He took a, a two or three week break just to focus on that. So it's been a kind of stop start year for Gray, but when he's playing every week, he's unbelievable. Uh, we better let you go, Luke, but uh, we definitely all wish you the best. We hope, you know, it's, it's obviously a frustrating season for you. Yeah, look, um, not long left now. Just looking forward to getting this injury sorted and hopefully getting back. Um, you know, give the manager a headache for the end of the year. And you're enjoying the, the managerial work on the side as well? Yeah, it's kept me going. Obviously, being out of the team is frustrating, but that's, you know, it's kind of your release the next day going and working with the lads and seeing the kids play some nice football. It's really good. Would you like to see Graham Burke involved? I mean, you would like to see Graham Burke involved. It's pretty obvious. But do you think you might see Greg, uh, Graham Burke involved with the games the next week, the Wales and the Poland match? Yeah, I think, he's, I think he'll play at some stage and win the games. Um, He's, I think he's done well. I've watched a lot of, his, um, I've watched a lot of them since he's gone over there. Like I've joined the website and all that, so I see all the games the next day. They're not on live, but he's done really well. And I think from what you were saying, um, they've watched quite a lot of them as well, and they're happy with him. So I'd say I get a cap. Yeah. Are you hoping Declan Rice can miss Ireland? Um, uh, personally, I think at this stage, uh, no, I don't I don't want them Gary? back. Um, no, I'd agree with Luke. I, I wouldn't really like to see him back. There we are. It's, it's interesting, it. though. Is it like <clears throat> there's a strong player view, Irish homegrown player view? I mean, that that says something, I think, in a way, does it? I mean, because you would you would kill for these opportunities, I guess, and you're in the bracket that like you're not miles away from it. You know, you're 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 playing football, so you obviously you feel strongly enough about this. Yeah, like I, I, even I played um, 19s and 21s internationals, and there's there was lads there who I knew had no intention of playing for Ireland, and probably. Never seen Ireland outside Dublin Airport, like, and it just doesn't say it right me that they take caps off kids. Um, were you con- you were conscious of that? You really, yeah, you, yeah, you sitting time, there thinking yeah, that? yeah. I remember my first squad I was in, I'm looking around counting how many are Irish born and not. And obviously, some of the lads who are English born fully committed, there's no question about that. But there's some that I think just, you know, they see us as the B team. And I just think if Declan Rice has to think about it, now good luck to you. I don't think we should take him. It's fairly emphatic, yeah. Um, best of luck in the Matter Hospital. Yeah, nice one. Cheers, Luke. Cheers, Dad. The Bowes man knows that he's gone as well, and that man is Dinny Corcoran. Um, before we get to Dinny, Dan, Ironbrew Cup, like, I mean, what, what the hell is this like? Well, I mean, that's, you've, asked, you've basically asked and answered the question in one <laughs> go. Um, what's going on with the Iron Brew Cup? I mean, I don't know. They're playing Peterhead Bowes, aren't they? I mean, apparently it's, the, it's the, something to do with the furthest part it's in scotland and there's no train nearby or something there's some quirk like, like the donegal of ireland yeah oh, like scotland. yeah i think so i think that sounds like a bit of a road trip for the fans that have booked up there's no like train to the game there's sort of you have to get there by road and in some shape or form i mean it's a, it's a chance to see new parts of the world that you would never see again Peterhead. but i mean i guess yeah. in some ways there is something like a small bit demeaning about being stuck in in the competition with uh, like the reserve sides of uh, SPL teams or your academy teams and so on when like you know we've got players that have gone from our league in fact there's been a spade of them have gone there just uh, to mention in, that in the last week Horgan I mean, well Horgan we had we had on obviously last week Andy Boyle has gone there Horgan scored as did um, David McMillan at the weekend uh, we've Andy Boyle so we have three members of the Dundalk 2016 team there now with Boyle on loan at Dundee uh, Chris Forrester's there at Aberdeen hasn't really been playing Jack Byrne no League of Ireland link as such but he's gone to Kilmarnock as well Gary Dicker's there ex-UCD actually when I was in UCD I remember going to watch Gary Dicker play um, with an old UCD side with Connor Salmon and that sort of generation Sam- of Salmon players. of knowledge Salmon, Salmon knowledge. of college back in the old yeah. Belfield Park days where I used to live on I was saying to Gary I used Belfield to live, live on campus next to it and there'd be lads like watching games from campus like the fourth floor and waiting for the balls to come over and then they would like you know race out and steal football actually do you remember the, do you remember the old guy who used to do the PA I think he might have passed away since. oh yeah and like um, now would it be a pr- really his name Michael Higgins I, know, I, I think know, it yeah, might have been yeah, it would have yeah. been a really really dull like Sunday possibly hung over in Belfield where it was winter football and it was generally quite depressing experience and then you'd fall behind to UCD in the 89th minute in front of their parents <laughs> and he would go the goal scorer for UCD <laughs> number two, Alan Mahan. And you're just like, where the f- <laughs> is my life going? Like? But um, would you play in Scotland? Um, I was actually, when I left Wolves, I got offered a two year contract at Hibs and a one year contract at Port Vale. And I took Port Vale as opposed to going up to Hibs. I just didn't fancy the, the 
trip up to Scotland. <laughs> Edinburgh or Port Vale? I know, I know. At the time, I was. Ah, Gary, you needed yeah. to see the world a bit at that stage. I mean, yeah. where is Port Vale? Like? Stoke. Stoke. It's Robbie Stoke. Williams territory, Stoke. isn't Stoke it? Yeah. Yeah. So you could have yeah. gone to. So yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I prefer Cork to there, actually. You know, yeah. but um. I guess we better get to... Edinburgh is a great city, but let's not go over what, yeah, what could have happened. Let's not go over yeah. what could have happened. Planning to yeah. go there this year now to get a game in. Um, never been to Scotland, of course, Johnny Ball. Never been to Scotland, never yeah. been to, He's been to Iran twice, and he's never been to Scotland. It's mad, it's isn't top it? top trivia. Yeah. Um, Dinny. So Dinny Corcoran was among the what goals... What did you ask him? ...against Derry at the weekend, scored very early, as we mentioned. First couple of questions I asked him were... Um, Ha, has he turned, or sorry, have Bowes turned, how have Bowes rather turned their season around such a degree? I think they've conceded once in, they've 17 sheets out of eight now. That was the first question. Why have you turned your season around such a degree? And is it is it significant you've finally beaten Derry with a view to the cup meeting, which is Sunday week, Dan, is it? No, it's been refi- I'm not sure when it's been refixed for, but it's been refixed. And here is what Dinny said. Uh, I'm not really sure how we've changed our season around so um, to such a degree. I mean, I think we just lacked consistency the first half of the season. We 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 knew we could be any team on our day, but we 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 get a good result and then go out the next week and get a bad result, and we just lacked consistency. And I don't know. We we had it. We did have a, a motivational talker in there a few weeks back, and he gave us a good speech. And it could be that I don't know. But we've just I think we've just got consistency going now, and maybe we've got a, a settled team, a settled eleven, and long may it last. Um, I'm not sure if it's a significant beating Derry before the Cup game. I mean, it's obviously great to beat them. Brandywell's a very tough place to go to. Rarely get a result up there. But um, I think they changed a lot of personnel in the window. So it was kind of a different game than it had been the start of the season. Both teams getting to kind of know each other. Luckily, we came out on top. It was a good game. It was it was, it was tough. So now they know a bit more about us as well. So I think the Cup game is going to be different. But... Definitely gives us a lot of confidence. We know we can beat them there, so that, that's what we'll be looking to do, repeat the league game. Uh, then I asked him about being back among the goals. Has it been a frustrating season for him? And uh, as well as that, was he looking forward to the Iron Brew Cup? Uh, yeah, it's been a bit frustrating this season, personally. I, I started off the season with an injury, and it, it was kind of recurring for a while. It kept coming and going, so it was frustrating, and I couldn't get a regular run of games. I was on the bench a good bit. Confidence was low, it was tough, but um, since the injury's cleared, I've just been working hard on it and trying to stay fit. And Luckily, I've scored a few goals now in the last few weeks, so my aim is just to, to keep fit and six league games left and hopefully three cup games, so get as many goals as I can. Yeah, looking forward to the Iron Brew Cup game. It's going to be different, obviously, a nice little break from the league, but... Um, no, we spoke about it this week. We're going over there to win the game because we've we've run a bit of a run, so we want to keep the the winning momentum going. It's going to be a different challenge for us, but um, yeah, we're looking forward to it. Hopefully, hopefully we get the win and see where the next round takes us. Finally, Dan, the most important question. Shane Supple brought this up before last year, I think. Denny has a bit of a punch on for a certain. I think it's a Dutch goal, is it? Yeah, um, Gary. Dutch gold. Wouldn't be for me, no. No, it, definitely well. not. But is Denny still drinking the Dutch gold? I had a feeling this question would come up. Do I still drink Dutch gold? Um, well, the honest answer is very rarely these days. I mean, now I've I've two year old, so I don't get out much at all. But if I was to sometimes I stay in with the, the missus and watch a movie or something, and we might have one or two, and yeah, it could be Dutch gold, could be Coors Light. I don't know, but I wouldn't say I never drink it, but not not half as much as I used to. <laughs> He answers that for you. I'd actually prefer... Denny, yeah. Denny Corcoran. You renamed him. I call him Denny Corcoran. Denny, Denny Corcoran. Galty Corcoran. Denny. Um, yeah, yeah, would you I, I'd actually prefer Dutch Gold Coors Light now, on, on that note. But now, would, we're dealing with the dregs here. No, would, would you... Yeah, would you have an evening in with the missus? You have a new missus now. Would you, like, watch a movie? You'd say, listen, I've got a little drink ready. Crack open a can of Dutch Gold. I, I would be having a can of... Uh, Tor- oh, you'd be having some pretentious craft beer. Torpedo, actually. Sierra Nevada Torpedo IPA, 6.7%. I actually had one last night, just one can, and it's yeah. only a 330 mil, but there's such a kick out of it. Would you, be, <laughs> would you go for the IPA now? No, it wouldn't be for me, no. Stout? Mm, not much. Exactly. Not John. much, you He's know. Nothing wrong. It's, it's Coors would actually be a big one with the lads. 
Coors. Coors is it's a huge one with the lads. Low yeah. on calories and that. I don't teach it. Probably because it's cheapest in the clubhouse, probably. Let's <laughs> be honest. It's yeah. college. Yeah. league in the world. It's college. Uh, what did you drink in college, Dan? Well, I, see, I think there, was, there would have been the cans of Dutch gold back at the time. There was like there was Bavaria... Uh, there was another. There was another Dutch Royal Dutch. Royal oh, yeah, Dutch was yeah, like yeah. the bastard cousin of uh, Dutch gold, <laughs> yeah. and uh, that that was when things were really like. That's when you're, you've really had a bad week. But uh, beyond that, you see, the see back in UCD, when I was at UCD, they used to have this scheme, the Foster's Dollar, it was called. <laughs> so Foster's was on discount in the bar. And for every time you bought a pint of Foster's, you would get this, like, dollar. And after $3, you'd have a free one. So That's now, clearly encouraging so, 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 like, more and more drinks. Oh, more drink, I know, this is actually dreadful. I mean, we're never going to be allowed to terrible, talk Terrible, terrible, you know, terrible, 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 terrible. Yeah, advertising of all bad things is eventually going to be banned. So this discussion is completely on PC. But uh, what, see, you had a choice then, you had a moral dilemma. Do I, not moral dilemma, just a financial dilemma. If you've had three drinks and you're staying for a fourth, do you use your Foster's dollar then and get a free one? Or do you like save them all and up have a free until up. you're completely right. broke? And that's what people are doing. And then you meet years later or at the end of the year, you'd be tidying out your campus thing and you're finding Foster's dollar, you're like, a oh, disaster because it's expired. It's gone. I used to hate DCU because the special drink was Foster's, and I absolutely hated Foster's. I thought it was minging, like so, like minging. Yeah, and the Guinness was Guinness was actually. I hadn't discovered Guinness well, yet. Actually. See, I hadn't discovered no, Guinness yet. I I discovered Guinness. Anyway, like we were appalling in, Gary in, here. Who's during a, DCU, <laughs> Gary here is an athlete on his way to a full time professional career. Yeah, oh yeah, you're playing. You're playing Waterford or something at the weekend. <laughs> but the Coors Light thing. I mean, <laughs> but listen, yeah. So. Um, Anyway, yeah, we, we should get back to it. You're, you're, you're not over the line yet in the first division. You have two tough games to go. You've already lost to Longford 4-1, I think, at Five home. 5-1. one yeah. Um, Dylan McGlade ripping it up. So between them and Finn Harps, you, you don't want to be complacent, notwithstanding that the fact that your next game is obviously against Watford. Yeah, definitely not. Um, I think the, the big thing for us is that Harps is at home. I think if, if, you, if it was Harps away and I went Longford away, you'd be really kind of looking over your shoulder. I think... Coming to the ball, we're, we've had a great record at the ball this year. I think Longford, I think, are the only team that came and beat us. And Fine surface. Brilliant at the moment, this time of the year as well. It's always immaculate, so it'll suit us down to the ground. We're under no illusions. It won't be an easy game. Obviously, a point does, does it for us, and Harps are going to have to, to win the game to keep the season alive. So should be actually a, a great encounter. I think the used to be running a promotion as well of every student gets in for free and it's the first week back at college so you know we're hoping to that's get for the Harps game yeah, yeah. for the Harps game yeah. so we're hoping to get a, a big crowd at, at the game and you know hopefully we lift the trophy come, come the end of it uh, next Friday though Watford this, you must be really looking forward to that yeah like I touched on earlier it's a, a break away from the pressures of of uh, a game that you need to win to, to win the league it's, it's one that we're going to enjoy training this weekend and going to enjoy it on Friday night um, Bastion Airy and all them yeah when I say enjoy it now, <laughs> enjoy it to a point and, yeah. you know, I'm not looking forward to, to pitting myself against the, the likes of Stanley Abora and Bastion Airy you know, a, lot of, a lot of power in that midfield so it's a, it's a good test of us and you know if, we're, if we want to be around that next season you know, it's good to see where, where we're at are you, uh, do you have it in you to give a, an old kick to an opposition player as well just to remind him you're there I'd like on. to think so yeah. I'd like to think so maybe you see these lads are, you know, we have a perception that we're, we're soft you know, we like to play college, good football college lads like, yeah. yeah young lads who you know, teams like to come and bully us and I think it's been a, a big part of our game this year is that we, we have been able to, to put it up to teams I think actually I think it was on this podcast actually on here he touched on it before that we're quite physical this year you know we, we're not a, a pushover for anyone and uh, a lot of the teams in this division, you know, maybe like the Shells and the teams like that, are quite physical. You know, as as good as they are and as effective they are. You know, they actually that that, that struck me in Belfield the day I was there. Um, you look like you're doing a lot of gym work. Yeah, well, we would be. I think the strength and conditioning at UCD is unbelievable. Owen Clark and actually left. He was coached, wasn't he? Yeah. Yeah, he's gone when when Graham Byrne left on dock. Clark and oh, went yeah. straight in there. He's the lad who does like I thought he was a sub. He was doing so much running down yeah, the line. Yeah, he's brilliant. Yeah, yeah, he's excellent. He's um really top drawer and he's. He's understood the real Nile has come straight in with us and uh, just taken over where Owen left off, really. So we're flat out in the gym um, two days a week and you have your recovery on a Saturday morning with the strength and conditioning coach as well. So, you know, I think this year, of all years, we've really been physical with anyone who wants to try and bully us, really. Dan, I think they could nick... Uh, I'm not sure is there extra time here or does it go to replay? Um, there is replays, replay. isn't there? There is replays yeah, yeah, yeah. at this I, stage. I think yeah. they can nick... I think they can bring it beyond 90 minutes. Bring it to Waterford, yeah. Yeah, yeah. If, if, yeah so I, I, think, I, I think they could definitely get a result here. 
Yeah, no, I think it's feasible. I mean, Waterford are... I mean, Waterford, I, I still think with Waterford, what's really happened is that they had a very strong start to the season and then they had a lot of change in the mid-season break. Players coming, players going, and they've not got back what they had. I actually see uh, Vigaru, who was their goalkeeper, start, he's got called into the Chile squad, I saw there. So uh, we've, we have, like, you're talking about internationals in the league across the season. We've had, like, Graham Burke, who started the season here, is in the Ireland squad, and Vigaru now, who was, very, and he was very important to them. Now, they've had Corbett, who's come from UCD, and, and Matt Connor as well, who's been playing, but... Um, I, I think it's conceivable. I, I mean, I don't want to insult our guest when he's when he's here. I, I sort of think Waterford might produce something this week, um, because you know there's a real opportunity for them there to get into the cup, and you know I, I can sort of see how, an argument for them to go and win the game. But uh, I'm looking forward to it. I'm probably going to go along to this game, and um, I think it'll be a really your probably, college experience. Well, I'm not sure about that. <laughs> yeah. all, all the places are closed. I'm like that old sort of boring yeah. fecker going around going, that's oh, not the same as it used to be. <laughs> no, it's Actually, the kids who are The real shame is a lot of the pitches that I used to play on in UCD are bloody car parks now. Oh. You used to have the Super League in UCD and you'd have all these pitches. Now it's just a park, a car, park, a car, <laughs> park. It's just one big car park now. Yeah, I was out to DCU recently and didn't recognise anything really. Yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's a shame. Yeah. But... Um, yeah, I suppose it's, it's good, but it's a great here. test for UCD, though. Like it is, like you, 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 you've been brilliant this year. But as a barometer of where you're at, you'll yeah. learn a lot from this game, I'm guessing. Either way, yeah, I think in the cup draw so far, we've been very fortunate. In the fact that we had two non-league teams and we got mm. Pike and CIE, so now it's a and you left it late. Yeah, yeah, we did. Yeah, we did. You know, this is a huge jump now up to you know a team that's in the top four, the, the Premier Division. So, like you say, if we want to be in the Premier Division next year, which is you know looking more and more likely every week, then. It's gonna. These are the games that we're gonna have to be getting used to, really. To be fair, one thing I would be encouraged by is like Longford are in the last eight. Drogheda have done very well in the yeah. cup, and obviously um, you're there. And there was one other first division team who. Cabinteering. Cabinteering, yeah. yeah. And uh, that's right. So there were some encouraging results there. Um, yeah, Limerick. Harps gave it a bash against the Dock, I guess, as well. Yeah. Um, no, the first division clubs have done quite well this year. It's hard to know. Like, again, it's hard to know mm-hmm. is that a rise in standard in first division? Is it worrying for I some think of the lower Premier division teams? I think they're finishing the season teams? well. Yeah. I think, and with the view to the playoff, I think Limerick and, and Bray presumably going to be Limerick. Limerick going to finish the season kind of like, as you say, shadow boxing for a few games probably now where they're like just waiting for this. The first division teams are going to be banging form like, like playoff teams in England. Like, why the sixth team nearly always does better momentum, than the third yeah. team because momentum. Yeah. Um, the one thing that I'm not, not that happy about with the draw is that these both both Limerick and Dundalk and Derry Bowes have played each other in the league just beforehand. Well, Derry Bowes aren't playing this week, of course. Yeah, so, I, so I don't think it's ideal that, you know, that say Limerick are playing Dundalk again a week later. Um, you know, it, just could, it could have been more interesting. In any event... Um, well, I don't know. The, the flip side of that is that Limerick played very well and, and they gave it a real go against Dundalk. And what you might have thought would be... a pretty foregone conclusion now Limerick have showed they can pose them a few problems um, Seaton Dock played Lance Senior Cup game last night they played McElhenney played Mountney trying to get minutes I think for some of the lads mm. who come on and made a big difference in Limerick from people who were down there they can only come on with 15 minutes to go but Kevin Toner from a free kick from a free yeah. kick yeah um, I still think Dundalk will win the game. It's not a very brave or original prediction, but I guess and I think Limerick are trying to get a bit of a crowd going this week, and maybe in terms of belief, the fact that they pushed them close last week will, will prove to people that this isn't just going to be uh, a pushover. I mean, Could I, do with the gates. I, I watched Dundalk well. play Limerick. I was at the, the first time they played in uh, Markets Field, and it was one of the most one-sided Premier Division games I've ever seen. You know, and it would sort of make you despair how easy it was. But I think maybe last week will give them a small bit of uh, belief. Um, Longford Cork, I guess, is an interesting one. I mean, bringing your live ex- on TV, is yeah, well. your knowledge of, of Longford because you've seen more of them than us and played against them certainly. Um, can they? Can you see them giving Cork a game? I can actually. Yeah, actually, it was kind of when the draw was coming out. We were a lot of lads were over in my house watching the draw, and we were kind of. It might sound a bit daft. We kind of wanted to have a Cork at home as well. We kind of wanted to to pit ourselves against them because. You won't move to Cork, and now we want them in the cup. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone fancies yeah. their chances against them. It's an interesting yeah, thing. I I, it was just the, the the style of football that they play. I think in the ball, I, I think we we really would have. Not fancied ourselves, but we really wanted to have a cut at them. Um, mm. And Longford would be the next team in the first division who were very similar to us in the way they play. So okay. I actually, I think under Neil Fenn, obviously, who was uh, a footballer yeah. of all, yeah, of course, of all yeah. footballers, yeah, he um, he has them playing a really, really good brand of football. And as you say, momentum is huge. And going into this game, they're on a, a silly run of form. You know, they're they're 
they're into the playoff spot now and I think it's in their hands if they win the next two games they're in. Um, I can see it being a, a good cup though. I think Cork might have a bit too, too much of them physically. Yeah. I think they're, very, they're a very powerful side and they're quite direct. Um, I think physically they might have a bit too much of them but it, it won't be... Won't be one sided, that's for sure. I think it's been a great season for Longford in many ways. Like they've kind of the community is back supporting them. They've a couple of young lads locally, especially A. Dervin, who's kind of getting his game, and Neil Finn just seems to have gotten the locals behind them. And now they've this big game live on TV, and it's just like almost comparing it to Galway United now, where you know the Galway season is completely derailed. It just seems like Longford actually, and they yeah. could get promoted as well. They're not far off. Yeah, um, the they're they're not far off at all. I actually have. A few very, very good friends on the Longford team, you know, Danny O'Reilly and Dylan McGlade. Be two Dylan McGlade is fairly, um, friends of mine. he's fairly rocking it he's up. Flying, yeah. Yeah. George Best comparisons yeah, I see yeah. going around Twitter. It's, yeah. the, it's the, the, the socks as well, just the over socks, the shin guards. Yeah. The he, iconic. He was on the same Irish team as me, the same team that Jack Grealish is on. I think Jack Grealish does that. No? He so does that as well. So you were just be, more conventional. I think Dylan could be copying him, to be honest with you. Yeah. Um, oh, Grealish is on that team, yeah. yeah Do you was. think Grealish always wanted to play for Ireland? Yeah. I think. Oh, no, sorry. No. No, England. Yeah, England, yeah. Especially listening to Lukey talk about it when he was. Saying that some of these lads never had any intention of playing for Ireland, that was that was the one I was thinking of. Really? really? Yeah, you know that was the one I was thinking of. You can, you can just what you can sense it on a around yeah. chat discussions. Yeah, and Jack would be. I wouldn't say he's a close friend to me now anymore because you know he's gone. You know, on a different gone path. Quite big, yeah. So you know, at the time I would have been close to him, and you know, I never really got the impression that he would have went on to play for us. I think if England and Twenty Ones came calling, he would have went there because. He wanted to play with the maybe the better players as such, you know, to mm-hmm. maybe test himself a bit more because he was quite high caliber. But in terms of a long term future, I couldn't. No, he was you didn't see going, it. No, I didn't see it at all. We get the feeling if you get a call up, you'll you'll go. On. I'd fancy it, yeah. yeah, yeah. Once they're not playing in Edinburgh, you know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the last uh, Kerry man to play for Ireland. Jeez, if you if you know the answer, respond to us on oh, Twitter because it's not one of those counties that doesn't have one. Um, mm. There's definitely one of those. See, Kevin Foley obviously had big carry connections, but he wasn't. He wasn't. Yeah. He wasn't mm. born there. Yeah. Um, um, we'll figure that one out before the end of John the show. Egan's. No, John Egan's. Well, John Egan's dad. John Egan's dad. But yeah. he's, John Egan is, is Cork. Yeah. I'll, um, I'll, I'll, I'll get this one. I'll, I will figure this out before the end of the show. Okay, damn. Now the obviously, as you say, the Derry game and Bowls is not no. this weekend. But you, who do you expect of the other three to go through? I think, yeah, Dundalk. I, I do think Cork, Dundalk and Cork. It's, I and mean, Watford. I mean, as, as a prediction, it's three away wins potentially. Maybe you, you will get a replay. The one thing, um, I think it's a test for Cork, though. Like, you know, you've had a, a few blows now, and cup is very important. The cup is huge. Like, this is. I mean, if they don't reclaim the league title, if they don't regain the title, is a cup, you know, three in a row cup, is that going to make it a good season, a good winter? I don't know, but they probably need it. They need the excitement of that semi-final because things could just go very flat very quickly for the reasons you say. So I just suspect after a week of, of feeling a bit sore, you might just get something out of them. I think if UCD don't get there, uh, the cup final I want is, is Bowes and Waterford. I think that'll be very interesting. Because I think Waterford will bring a, gr- a good crowd and uh, be great for Bowes. Like you know, they're doing things the right way and uh, they're just playing great football at the moment. Yeah. The only the only carry man to play for Ireland, uh, good work, Dan, is Tony O'Connell, who's actually a legendary figure at Bowes, but born in Kerry. Yeah, because I know that there was a, there was an article done a while back. I think it's Bowes.ie, and I've kept record of it because uh, Daryl Lenehan was the first ever Mead player Mead to play yeah. for Ireland, which is a mad stat, really. Like when it's, Mead is so close to Dublin, you would think. And I think that goes back to the point about countries or counties, sorry, that are GEA strongholds. What an obstacle it is to mm. that, those places producing yeah. players. Yeah. If we're if we're putting on like a nice headline for a story tomorrow, the fact that you know he said Connor Clifford could have been a very good David That's, Clifford. Sorry, David. Your Clifford. name's all over. You're going to be Doddery John. I am. Thirty five. You're thirty six. I know. I mean, um, I'm not afflicted by the same sort of. But thing. David Clifford could have been a really good you know soccer player. That's a headline straight away, and yeah. you know because he is yeah. such a hot prospect. Tony O'Connell, life president of Bowes, who was actually. Um, you know, very prominently involved, more so in in, in sort of, a, I guess, like sort of a decade or so, or, or, or sort of around that time. Um, yeah, his Jody is his company. That's oh, it. Oh yeah, yeah, so, yeah, um, yeah. Okay. Yeah, but he uh, he played in the sixties. Yeah, okay. for Ireland. So uh, he was a he was a winger. So you might be the next one. There you go. You never know. Never you know, know, you're still you're only still what twenty twenty three. Twenty three. Yeah, and. Uh, 
David Ford made his Irish debut, what, 31, Dan, something like that? Was his, he was in his 30s, anyway. Well, look, yeah, yeah, but look at Sean Williams. I think mm. Sean Williams is more of a, a bit more recent yeah. parallel. Never maybe. rule it out. Yeah. But you're definitely, you would take a cap if there'd be no. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, listen, best of luck the rest of the season. Great having Thanks you so in. Much. Thanks for having me, lads. And um, yeah, as I say, like great work being done in UCD. And uh, Dan, you're off back to UCD on Friday. Uh, yeah. I think I'm off to UCD on Friday, but uh, Wales and then Poland next week as well. So Looking forward to that. Let's see how it goes. Thanks for listening. There are limits to